0: What's up, guys? Another episode, "Working Class" on Deercast, and with my good friend Taylor Drury. What's up?
1: Whoop whoop! What's up?
0: Thanks for doing this.
1: I'm pumped. I was so like when you texted me like, "Hey, are you available?" I was like, "I'm available. Let's go."
0: Well, it goes back on the joke that you you and Austin avoid us, so you just you're doing your charity work for the year.
1: I knew that was going to come up. Like, so many comments through social media have flooded in on "Working Class." Or sometimes my stuff, they're like, when are you going to get on the podcast? So I knew that. I mean, I couldn't say no, right? Right.
0: <laughs> so. I got you cornered. But yeah. we, we do need to get you and Austin on together for like a regular just working class one. If it ever works out in studio, you guys will like come in and hang out and we can actually just do a full length relaxed one, you know?
1: I agree. I told him because he's actually out turkey hunting right now in Utah. Um, but I told him, I was like, Hey, I'm doing a podcast with Kurt. And he was like, Oh, dang it. I wish I I was going to be home. So he was almost home.
0: Well, at least he's thinking about me. All up there. That's right. Well, (laughs) you guys are killing it in Turkey season. I know you killed a monster of a Turkey in Iowa, right? Or was that Missouri?
1: It was Iowa. Like seriously, such a crazy hunt. I actually just did a story on that bird with outdoor life yesterday I mean, it was one of those just awesome hunts where we're like on the surface of the moon out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and, you know, kill the gobbler at 25 yards. There's like six of us all go up to the bird and we're like, what the heck? The bird had no spurs, which my dad was like, geez, I can't recall ever killing a turkey without spurs. I mean, like not even a bump, a nub, nothing, just flat, triple beard. And then he weighed close to 28 pounds. He was like 27.6 pounds. So just a giant. Like, wow. Really cool
0: I wonder what the deal is with the spurs. Did your dad have any like explanation for that?
1: No, not really. I mean, that I remember, I don't think so. I mean, I remember he was like, this is just so rare. Like, I wonder how many birds a year are actually killed without spurs. It, but then triple beards. Like, he's like, apparently all the testosterone went to his beard.
0: Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> Well, that's cool yeah. though. That I did uh I did watch that hunt and it looked like a blast. It looked like there was like a whole party out there hanging out for turkey season and uh which turkey hunting's like for your buddies. You know what I mean? It's oh yeah. You don't for you, sure. you get similar experiences when you're deer hunting, but I feel like turkey hunting, you can do it with people and you can kind of yeah. run and gun and do things a little differently.
1: Yeah, the run and gun style, I mean, that's primarily what we do. I'd say roost hunts for normally in a blind, but running and gunning it's just you know you can have three four five and on that hunt we had six even paul buttsky was there calling which was like a really cool experience i had never hunted with paul before that like i've been in camp with him but not hunting mm. um so to have him calling that day was really cool like just to listen to pa- i know that paul's been on the podcast but just to listen to paul call is a freaking treat
0: yeah he did like a basically a whole like uh walkthrough tutorial on that um, turkey yeah. og series we did so if anyone yeah. missed that and you want to know more about turkey calling that's the one to go back to but him and steve stoltz i mean all of those guys are the best and yeah. i was actually supposed to go out and hunt for a day with uh your old man and rob keck and yeah. i kind of like i got the kids were sick and then i got sick and i called mark and i'm like man i don't want to be that guy to show up and get everybody sick. Like, I'll come if you want me to, but I didn't want to show up and have everyone be like, what are you doing? And he's yeah. like, man, just sit it out. So all good. But I, I'm glad I gave him a heads up on it.
1: I was going to say, if you ever want to get uninvited to dad's camp, he is the biggest germaphobe on planet Earth. So if you tell him that you even sneeze once like 72 hours ago, he's like, ah, I think you should sit this one out.
0: You know, what's funny. He told me that he's like, Kurt, do you know how big a germaphobe I am? And I was like, yeah, I think I do because... One of the first podcasts in person we ever did with Mark was at... It was actually at the Iowa Deer Classic, but it was before the show opened. And I like wiped everything down at the shows, like Lysol and stuff. And the first thing when he put the headset mics on, he's like, man, are these clean? And (laughs) So what I do now is anytime that we go out to Iowa to record, or if I know he's going to be in here, I actually have... I'll show you here. Microphone disinfectant spray specifically for that and plus i don't want someone on doug's microphone where his mustache has been rubbing it the whole time you know
1: know.
0: (laughs) we take care of that in advance here so
1: that's so funny so many people don't know that about dad i mean yeah if close inner circle family friends you know Mm -hmm. but him and terry are literally germaphobe freaks like And, you know, dad's one of those people, like, if you go to, like, a restaurant and somebody sneezes or coughs, like, 50 yards on the other side of the restaurant, it's like, oh, my gosh, night ruined.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I get it a little bit. Like, I don't stress out about it, but nowadays I get it a little, you know? Yeah. Never be too safe.
1: We, I mean, we always give them crap for it because it's like, man but that is funny once it when you were just saying like you called him and said hey like my kids are sick and stuff i know he was like oh nope 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 nope
0: <laughs> he, he was like super nice about it i'm like "Do you can just tell me it's all good like i, I know if it, i understand trust me like if yeah. anybody understands being scared of this stuff it's me i get it so yeah but sure. anyway we got to go he got to hold the kiddos and stuff we went to dinner last weekend after all that passed so um but yeah you saw that picture of of your old man and Bubba my little Clyde so
1: yeah I saw the picture and I was like you know I can think of I think two photos okay maybe when I was a baby like old photos Mm -hmm. but like recently two photos of dad holding a baby one being your son now And then two being Wade and Kyle Robinson's son, Riggs. Mm -hmm. So I was impressed. Like when I saw that, I was like, dad's baby holding skills are like really (laughs) breaking up this spring.
0: Yeah, two, two babies. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Two babies.
0: (laughs) Something. So that was cool. But, but no, I, I wanted to just get you on and BS a little bit. Um, You know, we did that podcast down in Missouri with the boys with uh, Matt and Tim. And we did like a back and forth um, between the two different series on DeerCast. And you know, I asked Matt some questions about like growing up in the jury umbrella, the family. I mean, obviously you as well. Um yep. And I asked him about like the. Pr- I'm just diving right into it. But I yep. asked him about the pressure. Like, was there a pressure? And he, you know, he didn't act like it. There was, but he kind of alluded to a few things, like that he, thinking about while hunting and stuff like that, and getting in his own spots and doing his own thing. And. Yeah. Do you feel like growing up on in the jury family, I mean, you're Mark's, you're the whitetail God's daughter, essentially, you know, like, does that yeah. put a, any angle of pressure on you when you're hunting or when you're doing anything outdoor related, I guess?
1: You know, I think I feel like growing up, you know, younger days, it's like I started hunting when I was eight with dad or going with him before that, but actually like hunting on my own had got my hunter safety at eight years old. And it's like that window of eight to, I don't know, you know, 16, 17, 18 social media really wasn't present at all in my life. You know? So I would say that I didn't feel pressured necessarily. It's just like anybody, like everybody grows up in different families. Their parents have different careers and roles, you know, are passionate about super things. So I never viewed it as pressure just because I never knew anything different. You know, mm-hmm. obviously I always knew that Okay, that's my dad's job, but it's also, you know, his passion in life, and I enjoyed doing it too. But I would say a little bit of pressure, I guess, if you want to use that word would be like when social media came a big part of the company and in my life, you know, because you don't really hear a lot of outside opinions or feedback or what people think of you. Or, you know, maybe there's people that are judging a shot you are shot you made or something like that. So, in my opinion, the word pressure only came in like when social media came in, because then you have thousands and thousands of people now on jury outdoors channels, millions that can say whatever they want to on a keyboard directly to you. Yeah. So, so like internally, personally, I think that's the only pressure that I feel a little bit. And then I don't know if Matt said this too, but I think not really a pressure, but you, you want to, are you have a duty like you want to be able to carry on dad and terry's legacy um as smoothly and as professionally as possible you yeah. know and there's such a huge representation of the hunting community and the lifestyle that we live so that comes into it too you know you always want to carry that torch high and like keep the message as clean and positive as possible especially in today's world
0: <laughs> yeah no that makes perfect sense and I think that's probably a good outlook on it. Social media like brings in so much positive, but uh, so much negative that it's. Yeah. It, I think our community is kind of torn between it a lot. Like I love it; it's necessary. It's a part of working class oh, yeah. bow hunter it has to be, yep. and but also I hate it too. Like if it wasn't for working class bow hunter, I don't know how involved with it I would actually be, um, yeah. but it's how people communicate with us in our episode. So it's a ton of positive there, but sure. I can imagine that like people probably have a ton of opinions at you because one, you're a female and people just seem to go at you guys a little differently and a little yeah. more aggressively, uh, yeah. which is, was shocking because that's the opposite yeah. of how you think it would be. But, right. um, but no, I think that's a good like point to make too. It's like, you do have a legacy that you have to take on, but um, that being said, you said once you got into it, once you started hunting, did you feel like a connection to hunting right away? Or was it something like, if you think honestly, like, ah, it took me till I was about 15, 16 for I really liked it or longer or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, honestly, there was no delay for me at all. And it was one of those things where, and I've actually gotten asked this a few times like before, you know, like, did your dad have to like convince you to love it or like force you to take you out and stuff like that? It promise it was not like that at all. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm a very I feel like headstrong person. Like if if it would have been something at eight, eight years old or ten years old that he was taking me to go hunt and do all these fun things. and I was just like, you know, this isn't my type. Like, I don't think well, I know that like he would not have pushed that. But it was just something that I loved instantly obviously it's evolved a lot, you know, for when I first started, it was just a couple weekends here and there really you season and then kind of being in hunting camp. And then it's like, then it gets into when boat, when bow hunting kicked in. So then you're kind of doubling your seasons Yeah. now, obviously I'm full-time for the company. So it's kind of come full circle in the last geez, almost 20 years now. Yeah. Or I guess 19 years. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've loved it forever. Like I honestly couldn't imagine my life without it. Mm-hmm. And I think of so many things and we, I feel like every hunter really, when you sit down and think about it, we'd probably all be on the same page. Like if you removed hunting from your life and all the memories, um, all the people it's introduced you to all the meals that you've had from it, your life would be so incredibly different. It'd
0: like so weird.
1: Literally. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the job I have. I literally wouldn't have the freezer filled that i have i wouldn't have the husband i have i wouldn't be living in utah um (laughs) some of my best friends and like people that were in our wedding are literally from the hunting industry so i seriously couldn't imagine my life without it at all
0: yeah that's weird when you put it that way it's like if you remove that one thing it which your life would be so different like from step one like I always I always joke around, but it might not be far from the truth. If I didn't have bow hunting when I was young, I'd probably be in prison. Like, I always say that. Just because, like, <laughs> I used to be a rowdy, younger, kind of wild kid, you know? And yeah. I, I always, like, set things aside or didn't do things because I didn't want to not be able to go bow hunting. And yeah, absolutely. I'm kidding when I say that, but really it's like it kept Arden. me – out of trouble a little bit. I mean, I got hand tattoos. so I look like I've been there, but uh, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like I would have, I could have done something else the whole time that I when I was bow hunting, but I like set that time apart. But also like you said, I I ramped into being super passionate about it. I think if someone, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but if your dad was like, all right, you got a bow hunt for two months straight every day. Here we go. It'd be different.
1: Yeah, it it definitely would. And I think you know, it's cool when you see parents and obviously you're probably already there with your daughter. You'll get there with your son when he's a little bit older, but it's nice to see parents just like slowly introduce their kids and keep it fun. You for know, sure. Because it's like at the end of the day, you can't force or pressure someone to like anything. In my opinion, deep you down, can. you either have a love for something or you don't, especially hunting. You know, it's a big deal to understand the circle of life, to understand why you're taking a life, things like that. Um, So I just love when I see parents, you know, whether it's taking them out shooting or like when I was young, we used to ride around the four wheeler and set camera cameras out and like mineral blocks, things like that, where at the time I didn't realize that I was like learning the steps and the process that dad did. Yeah. But now looking back, it all makes sense. Like I was slowly learning, but at the same time, he was just kind of dabbling into introducing me to different sides of it as I got older. You know,
0: yeah, that makes perfect sense, and that's you know, I know I can't make my kids like hunting, but yeah. it's gonna be they're not gonna know much different that if they want to do it, they can. But we've had this debate a lot on the podcast lately like, what is the age? And I think yeah. it's different for every kid, probably. Mm-hmm. And I think if you push them too fast to try and shoot a deer and they wound a deer or miss, it could ruin them before they even get going. I think I maybe mean, I could be wrong, but.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. Obviously I'm not in that spot yet. Cause I don't have kids. Um, but I feel like I, I killed my first year at eight, you know, and it was, that was when I got my hunter safety. And that's
0: pretty dang young.
1: Dad felt like it was a good time, but I think, I don't know. It's like, if I would have been a little bit earlier than eight, would I have remembered all of that? You know, cause I remember it vividly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think it's important, like, you know, when deciding on, when your child should start hunting and actually have the weapon in their hands like are they old enough to understand the weapon the safety of it um what taking a life means you know i think that's really important and i also feel like i always appreciated that dad introduced me at an age at eight i do remember it but it's like you feel different emotions at eight than you're going to at four and five and six that's probably a major personal opinion but that's just kind of always my thoughts on it
0: no, I I mean you're basically right on with some of the conversations and debates we've had on it because it's like, I think I started hunting when I was ten, uh, yeah. hunted three years without killing. It killed my first deer with a bow, in, in that range somewhere, you know. And it's like mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad I didn't shoot a deer right off the rip, and I was only hunting gun season in Illinois, so two weekends a year, and yeah. my. I didn't hunt youth season probably cause my dad didn't even know about it. And I didn't know, but <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm glad that I had that ramp up of just like a couple weekends and then I yeah. wanted to get into bow hunting. And then it just let me get into it more naturally and realize sure. it's hard. And yeah. then it made that first deer more, uh, it was a bigger deal.
1: Right. Right. And it's like, I think kind of back to that, you know, are your kids going to hunt? Are they not? I, i'm sure every parent that's a hunter thinks of that but i think it's such a cool thing too like if you're raising your kids in the outdoors not just hunt doesn't always have to be hunting like i always love watching eva Shockey stories because her kiddos are always outside Mm -hmm. you know so it doesn't mean that they're in a deer blind hunting but it's like they're making memories outside and i feel like as you grow to love the outdoors and not sit on the couch and watch tv um, the more like open-minded you would be to potentially hunting if it wasn't like a first love when you're seven years old,
0: for know? sure. Yeah. You're around it. You're, you're more involved yeah. with everything around you. Like, that's my goal is like, we're getting a camper. I want to get my yeah. daughter into fi- I'm not into fishing, but I want to get into fishing for her, you know, because yeah. she's three. I mean, yeah, it's fun. It'll be fun for a little bit and then she'll be bored want to do something else. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I think about it a lot. You know when to start them in but i think i'm just gonna go with the flow and how it happens that's the way it'll happen um Absolutely. but you know that's interesting I, I was just curious about that like if you felt that passion and attraction to hunting right off the rip or it's something that you dabbled, then fell out of it and then came back to it later you know yeah um,
1: which because matt matt's a little bit different i know that you guys had that podcast you know he really got into it i would say it was like after high school, college, right, mm-hmm. uh, that he really got interested, but he was already a part of the brand, you know, on the back end of things too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely a love that I've had, it's just like been instilled in me and there since I was little. But that, sure. I think the passion has definitely changed too. You know, like when I was young, it was like I couldn't wait for weekends in high school because my mom would come pick me up and we'd head to the farm, mm-hmm. you know? or in middle school stuff like that. And it's like now, yes, I count down for Turkey season. I count down for deer season, but my passion has grown beyond just hunting. It's grown into what I can do for the business and the lifestyle and the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just obviously with age, I guess that comes. And then with my yeah. job and stuff like that. So
0: For sure. If, if going back to what you mentioned earlier, if you weren't doing this for a living, and born into this whole like big family business that's surrounded by with what you love, which is amazing. What other things are you interested in that you could see yourself doing if you didn't have your current job?
1: Honestly, this is really easy for me because I have like a couple loves outside of hunting. I Mm -hmm. think people that follow me on social media know this, but I have an absolute love for like home design and interior design. Super interested in it. I'm like one of those that spends my free time in the evenings, like on Pinterest, looking up like decor and home design and structures and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I would either do something within that, maybe the real estate slash interior design, or I also have a big love like into fashion things. Like I love following fashion bloggers. I love like watching like how fashion has evolved. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know really what I would do in that space. But I would want to do something with like makeup or clothes, which yeah, sends, it's like I say that I'm like that is literally the complete opposite of what I do. Yeah, but, but yeah, I but just, I've is. always had a love for it.
0: Yeah, no, but I mean, you can do both. That's like the business side. I feel like a lot of industries are similar, and you're good at what you do for your job now, right. and you could find a way where that relates into another interest or passion. You for know, sure. um, yeah. That's that's easy one for me to go to because I would just be doing what I did before I became full time with the podcast. But um, so that being said, with like interior design and stuff like that, how much taxidermy plays into that?
1: A lot. I I know (laughs) I'm not like set up there now. We do have a whole like trophy room downstairs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually joke Austin and I built this home like a year and a half ago and we're like, well, um we're already out of wall space like literally it is insane to me how much space taxidermy takes up it's a lot Uh, and now it's like you start adding elk and mule deer to it and stuff i still have white tails in the midwest and i need to get to utah somehow like my dad's like hey i no longer am a storage space (laughs) (laughs) right
0: yeah start paying a fee that's,
1: that's one thing like there's one side of me like i love a modern farmhouse house But I would, we would never have a house that did not have mounts like throughout both levels. I absolutely love that. I just think it's, it's such a cool thing. Like you have friends over, you have family over, and all of a sudden you catch yourself, you know, eating elk tacos at the kitchen table. And then you get to talk about a mount that's on the wall. Like it just brings so much, so much like story. And I think character into a home, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think even with like a house of the modern look, it adds a cool like flavor to it. Um, yeah. but man, there's some people out there that I like asking that taxidermy question. Cause there's some people that even hardcore hunters, they're not into it.
1: I know. I know that. And Hey, I guess to each is their own, you know, everybody has their likes and dislikes, but I love it. Like I do too. it's something that I even love going to the farm and looking at dad's mounts. Like he just, his two sixteen just came in the other day before I left Turkey season from Dittmer and it's just like, I don't know mounts you know, mounts get finished. They make it to where they're going to be hung up. And it's like, it brings that like night back all over again to see it. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, No, I, I get that for sure. That I always that, looked forward to that when I was young, like getting the deer head back. Um, yeah. so like, I have like an unhealthy obsession with shoulder mounts, you know, like yeah. eventually. And we, we talked about this on another podcast and like when my dad passed away, I inherited all of his mounts and yeah. I can't remember who we were talking. Oh, I was talking to my buddy, Johnny Utah, about this, because he has a ton of mounts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, have you ever thought about, I mean, it's not fun to think about, but when you pass away, what happens with all your taxidermy? I mean, what do you do with it? And a lot of guys in our industry, it's like, you know, we talked to the Lindsays at ATA show for for this podcast series, and they have an insane amount of them. A lot. And I asked them that question. He's like, I never thought about it. And I'm like, oh, I know, because yeah. what a burden for like someone who's not into him, <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah. What do you do?
1: I've never ever thought about that.
0: I didn't think about it till I had to, you know. But um, unfortunately yeah. for me, I like him, you know. But uh, right,
1: where yeah. do you put them all though?
0: You have to build something, or I mean, yeah. ours worked out great because we have the studio, you know what I mean? So it's a great tribute. But yeah. uh, but I mean, that's not fun to think about. But oh. but you know what I mean. It, at the same time, it's like, oh man what do you do? But yeah, anyway, not to bring that down the house with that, but
1: I was going to kind of, I'm going to now when dad's like, Hey, when are you getting the rest of your mounts from the farm and take them to Utah? I'm going to turn around and be like, well, where am I supposed to take your X amount? mounts someday. (laughs) Right.
0: Just build a museum and just have it all (laughs) there anyway. Just tell them build something now and then put them all in there and it's already, it already looks good. Yeah. Your dad's healthy though. So you don't got to worry about much.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> but it's something to think about, you know, like guys that have elk. And I'm sure Austin has a ton of mounts.
1: Yeah. I would does. think. I mean, yeah. Crazy enough, Austin's never killed an elk. Really? But, so he, yeah, he's never killed an elk. But he has a lot of mule deer mounts. And we have a mountain lion from him. Uh, kind of the crazy thing is, though, like, and this is not, you know, like a mean thing about him at all. But so many people... Like when we were originally moving in together, we're like, oh my gosh, like how many mounts are you gonna have? And he was like, hey, my wife's gonna have way more mounts than me. He's like, I've always guided my whole life. I haven't hunted that much. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: So, but the last few years, like he's had really great success with mule deer. Um, so now we're starting to, and white tails like in Texas and stuff. Yeah. So now with both of us. Hunting, him hunting more. We're kind of panicking about the wall space around here.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So you haven't, you know, you got that elk. We did, we touched on that podcast. Well, when your old man was here, we had you call in and we talked about that, about you going yeah. um and all that. Uh, do you still does like now having an elk under your belt and, you know, he's such a awesome, such a hardcore mule deer guy. Do you still feel the same love for whitetails or do you feel that that love is kind of split between these other species a little bit?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that elk hunt, it was the first time that I was like, Holy smokes. I love a different style of hunting this same, that I love a whitetail. I honestly never thought like, it's like pre, pre Austin, pre being, I guess, learning about the Western stuff. I never really thought about it. You know, it was just like, I was always either in the whitetail woods or in the turkey woods. And that's just, obviously that's, that's what my dad does. Mm-hmm. He, he used elk hunt back in the day, but since I was growing up and what him and I've done together, you know, that didn't include Western hunts, but no, I mean, when I was elk hunting, I was like, I honestly can't believe that I feel like I love elk hunting as much as I love whitetail, but for two totally different reasons. Like I think whitetail will always be at my top because that, includes my dad and the places that he's worked hard for. And we have history with the deal. Well, I guess we get lucky enough to have history with them sometimes Yeah, to where, you know, you can build that story and stuff like that. For sure. The elk it's like, I just fell in love. Number one, just an incredible animal to watch up close in the wild. Uh, The bugling, just how big and enormous that they are. Mm. I just, I've never seen anything like it, you know, and then also the physical, a- the aspect to it, whitetails, no, it doesn't require, like, I'm not one of those that's going to be like, oh yeah, I work out eight months, a year to go whitetail hunting. Like, no. It's different. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But it's like elk hunting. Like I, yes, I actually had to prepare for it. And then at the end of that week, I was like, okay, like 98 miles to, to do a hunt is just a really cool thing because the whole 98 miles, you're literally out there in their element. That's you know? a lot. So, Two totally different loves, but I did absolutely love it.
0: <laughs> so at home, you know, you talked white, white tails as your number one and you're, you know, a lot of the juries is known for liking turkeys more than white tails, which blows my mind a little, but I get it. You know, I get yeah. it after doing the Turkey OG series. I understand it now. And I actually picked up a shotgun and shot a couple birds this year with a shotgun, which I know you and Mark were giving me shit about in the past. But (laughs) um, how close does turkey hunting come to your passion for whitetail hunting?
1: It's close. I mean, I definitely okay. Whitetail for me is way above turkeys. I'm
0: not
1: gonna lie. Okay. Dad and I, okay. Dad and I have so much in common. People literally always say, I'm basically as many me, we like think the same things. We act the same way. It's weird. Mm -hmm. But as far as like his love for turkey hunting over whitetails, I'm just not there. And it's nothing (laughs) against it. I absolutely love turkey hunting. I really do. It's fun. Like we said earlier, the on the go technique, you have friends with you, you know, the camp life is fun, but it's like, I get jacked up for turkeys because watching them come in gobbling, that's fun. But they just all look the same. I think that's my only thing. Like you see a deer, you know, and you're auto, you're automatically your brains rolling of like, how old are they? Do you have history? Do we have pictures of them? Is this the deer we're in there after turkeys? It's like, Hey, if it's, you know, a two-year-old or older, it's a turkey.
0: I get that. So yeah, <laughs> that's <one> of my- <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense because it's almost like you apply more of a, uh, I don't I want to pick the right terminology you apply more of a I don't want to say like a personality to a deer because we're trying to kill it and that seems kind of like weird but yeah
1: but I get what you mean
0: The yes. the the depth of the animal as the individual mentally for us goes a little further than the depth of the tom yes as, I don't know if that makes sense or not but
1: oh no I agree and it's yeah. like dad I mean he just loves it so much and I do too but White tails. I don't know. There's just something about it. And like I said, we are very lucky, you know, in Missouri and in Iowa that it's, you know, you gain history with these deer through pictures yeah. or through encounters. Uh, we, it's, we manage uh, for five and a half or older, you know, so it's like when you're chasing after a certain deer, or maybe you passed them two years prior and then all of a sudden you're able to wrap your tag. Like there's just a lot of history there and a lot of hours that went into that moment. I think that I've sure. always respected the hours, not saying that I'm planning food plots and stuff, but when it comes to dad's hours and Perry and Wade and all, you know, the guys on the farm, I mean, there's just a ton of, of thought and hours and literal sweat put into yeah. those moments. So
0: for sure. No, it makes sense. Hey, well, another thing I want to talk to you about. So Growing up in school, did you have a lot of like girlfriends that hunted or were passionate about hunting in any fraction that you were?
1: Really none of them. I mean, I grew up in the city, um, and where I went to school, I would say that hunting or the topic of hunting was very rare. Um, there was an occasional, occasional like teacher or two that were hunters, males, um occasional like guys in my class that were hunters but as far as females like I honestly can't think of any now when I was younger in middle school and high school um I could think of probably three or four really good friends that I had at the time that I would bring up to the farm and we would take them hunting Mm -hmm. um and they always liked it but no I mean just where I grew up in the school that I went to like hunting was just not a lifestyle I would say which was kind of different at times. There were definitely kids that didn't, I would say, didn't really care for me because of it. Um, yeah. I had similar but, experiences
0: here, you know, but
1: yeah, it just, it never really bothered me. It was like, that's who I am. That's what I loved. It was my family. And Hey, if we were going to have differences, we probably just weren't going to hang out after. School, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I was just curious cause I didn't know, you know, then growing up and then working in the industry, that's probably where you made a lot of your closer female friends having, obviously having common interests and sharing the same passions, but I just didn't know. Like, I was curious to see if you had any just friends growing up that were into it, just even a sliver of it that you were. You know, it's just less common, especially for a female, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, Yeah, I mean, all of my closest friends now, seriously, I have a few great friends um, that still remain some of my best friends from, you know, growing up, middle school, high school. Um, But I would say 95% of the friends and the people in my life now, have come from hunting like post high school life. You know, when I actually like went to college for a couple of years, uh, became a bigger part of the brand, started meeting more people at trade shows, social media, things like that. Like, you know, I think of like Kendall and Eva and all of them. It's like, I didn't really know any of them until I graduated high school. So my friend definitely changed. Um, But my friend group is a lot more outdoor hunting oriented now too, which I'm very glad about.
0: (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, as you get older, you can pick and choose who you're around a lot easier than you could when you were in high school and in college and stuff like that. So it's funny, like same thing here. It's like, you know, I went to an, I don't want to say a city high school, but I was one of the few hunters, you know, but now all my, I don't really hang out with anyone on the daily or on the weekly. That's not like hardcore about hunting. It's just. It's so a part of our lives, and your friends now that you know, getting a little older, so a part of their lives that that's all you're really surrounded by when you really break it down. So, for sure, I was just curious if that's what you ran into. Did you know? I was just wondering what the dynamic was.
1: Yeah, I'm always impressed by like, you know, I still follow people from high school and younger days, like on social media and stuff, and like really always impressed that like sometimes some of them still hang out with the same 20 people they were hanging out with in high school. I'm like, am I the weirdo or yeah. they? Cause I hardly hang out with any of them now.
0: <laughs> well, it's like you had an interest that was less common than probably yeah. what they had, you know? So I don't yeah, think, yeah, sure. that's weird. It's just, uh, it's just what you're into.
1: Yeah. takes Back you places. Then, it was like, as I was approaching college, it was like, basically there were a few paths. It was either, you know, it was the girls that were at my high school were going to sororities, or they were like me and literally going hunting on the weekends and then would come back for school Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of, that's just kind of where my life took me, I guess.
0: Pretty cool. It's working out. Yeah. Well, oh,
1: heck yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been great getting to know you guys and everybody at the Drury family. And really, it's been a few years, but as this yeah. working class on Deercast series is, um, uh, under a year old still. Um, So I appreciate you taking the time to BS with me. We kind of just went on with no agenda and just talked on this. So that's the best way to do it. I think sometimes
1: you put you and me in a room together and we can probably talk for hours about a bunch of nothing.
0: (laughs) Uh, You you get anyone. Oh yeah. That's mostly a bunch of nothing, you know, but you get anyone (laughs) together that's like in our community that has like similar mindsets and can just talk and you just go. That's. I guess that's where I'm lucky with the podcast is. I oh, can just sure. talk. So
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Like I, I've said this quote to so many people and I definitely want to say it on here too. My dad told me when I was younger, since we were just talking about kind of younger days into now, mm-hmm. my dad told me when I was younger, he's like, as you get older, as you grow up, you meet more people, your interests kind of broaden or maybe zone in on certain things. He's like, just watch chemistry is a really weird thing. You either have it in a couple seconds or you don't. And I remember kind of thinking, you know, what do you mean by that? And he was like, just watch. He said, remember this quote as you grow up? And he goes, when you meet people, like within the first few seconds, or maybe the first conversation, when you leave that conversation, you're going to have one of two thoughts. It's going to be one, I'll probably never talk to them again. Or two, I have so much in common with them that I like can't get enough of the conversation. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think about it all the time. It really is a like chemistry is a crazy thing. You really do either have it with people or you don't. And I think that chemistry like cloud or bubble is so just like thick and relevant within the hunting community, because it's like, you almost never meet a hunter right off the bat that you don't just have great chemistry with, you know, for, for sure.
0: So, no, that's, I, just, I like that.
1: Perfect.
0: I never yeah. really thought of it that way. Um, I feel like I'm observe I'm pretty observant of interactions yeah. but I guess sometimes I just get spaced out but that's if you break it down that's pretty dang true.
1: It is. You know, I mean, it, I think about it often. Now that you heard it and I hope people that listen to this like hear it because <laughs> Seriously. No, it doesn't mean that like every person you're going to meet with, you're either like, oh, I love them or, oh, I hate them. It's not that. It's just, you really know within that first conversation, like how much time you're probably going to spend with that person afterwards. You know, it was like, we met you, we met the working class crew and we instantly hit it off. We've had fun together at the Iowa Deer Classic, like these podcasts, you came to the farm the night after dad killed, stuff like that, you know, but it's like, We knew at the beginning when we met you guys, it's like we have so much in common and it's fun. You don't have to like try hard to have conversation, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's just natural. That's the best part about it. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it's like at trade shows, you meet a lot of people at trade shows. I don't think that applies because a lot of it's like in passing, but it's like when you get introduced outside of a situation like that, you have time to talk to someone, then you know, you can gauge it more. Yeah, I think that's accurate and fair
1: cool thing I've, i think about it often i he told me that when i was like young young and i think at the time i was like what are you talking
0: about what are you talking about dad shut up yeah but now it makes sense <laughs> yeah no it really does well i appreciate it i know we're both busy uh it's funny we're both running late before this like oh can we push it back a little bit so Oops. it worked out yeah. but thank you so much um anything we should plug or talk about before we get off oh, my
1: you know we just wrapped um turkey season 22 which was really cool like we kind of kicked off that semi live series the storytelling with deer season 21 yeah and then here in turkey season 22 we just wrapped it up last episode just went up this past monday um so i'd say that's the only thing like there's so many just bomb turkey uh hunts like um moments tacticam views just some crazy stuff on all of those youtube episodes um, but it was a really big success for us, and it's just it's really fun to be able to turkey hunt with the crew, and also produce that, and then kind of get the feedback that we did—just how yeah. people love it. They're like, people are on their way to work, pulling over, watching the Facebook lives, killing yeah. turkeys. You know, so yeah, I'd say that's the that's the main thing. We're wrapping that up, and next is going to be TV season. I'm actually going in like 30 minutes to shoot interviews for Bo Bannis. So fun. Roll right from turkey season into television
0: season. Awesome. Well, you guys are busy. Yeah. I encourage everyone every week to get into your cast and like and comment and interact on there. That is a platform for our people. Get in there, Absolutely. support it, support us, and it's just going to get better from there. If you complain about Facebook, you <clears throat> you can't complain about us trying to make a platform for you and you not supporting it.
1: Yep. So. Yep. I agree.
0: Help us help you, I guess, is what we could say there with DeerCast.
1: Nowadays, we you literally, they, I thank God every day for DeerCast because you just never know. Any day, you know, you see more and more hunters. I had a friend the other day, like she gets on Instagram in the morning. Boom. She was banned. My TikTok, I was at like 24 million views in a few weeks. Bam. got. Banned.
0: I didn't even think so, about to bring up the TikTok thing. TikTok sucks. Oh we just got off a month ban for showing an antler.
1: It infuriates me really. But at the end of the day it's like, hey, we have Deercast, we don't censor people, and we welcome any and all um ethical hunters that want to be in there. So it's nice.
0: And you never my favorite thing about Deercast, you know, what you know, the content, everything is great, what it's used for. But when you look at the interactions and the comment sections, yes. everyone is good people. Agreed. I yep. rarely you see Two people go back going back and forth in the comments on Deercast.
1: Yes. Like you definitely the negativity is not over in Deercast, which is a breath of fresh air. I mean, you just never know what people are gonna say on <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, and stuff, but it's just like that chemistry thing that we were talking about. All those people in Deercast commenting, talking to one another, posting for the fan shares. It's that same group of people where if there was a hundred of them sitting here right now in my house, we could just BS for two hours. Could be a
0: party. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. And the people that are there are there for positivity and yes. everyone just has a facebook now and it's just there because yes. they're just there i don't know why but I know it. so I know it. get into your cast and support it so we're trying really hard so don't make me, me feel like i'm doing this series for nothing dang it you know
1: <laughs> please everybody <laughs> please, download the app <laughs> i'm
0: begging you i need i need a job so all <laughs> oh, right cool. well taylor thank you so much
1: Thank you. That was fun. Let's do it again with us next time.
0: Yes, tell him. Tell him I'll be thinking about him, and we'll get him on here.
1: I will. Hopefully, he's ki- well. He killed a turkey this morning. His brother did. Oh, he's awesome. Still out, so maybe they're on another one. I don't know.
0: Cool. Well, we'll at the we'll we'll follow up. We'll get one of those lined up here. Maybe when I get back from bear camp, we'll get one set up. So
1: let's do it. Go ki- go kill a bear.
0: I'm gonna try. Doug and Eric are up. I'm kind of last guy on the list this year. I killed well, one before. Then.
1: Just survive, then that's all you got to do. I'm just there to
0: have fun. So, <laughs> yeah. all right, everyone, thank you so much for watching, listening, viewing, commenting, and liking on Deercast. Thank you so much. We'll see you on the next one. Go shoot a giant.